Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey there, thank you all for joining us here on It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. And have you subscribed yet? Make sure you do so you never miss a podcast. And you might as well rate and review while you're at it. I am your host, Kayla Kinnaram. Joining me, as always, is Cody Tapp and Nick Schwert. Guys, do you ever listen back to a podcast? Really quick question before we kick things off today. Uh, and hear a mistake you've made and want to correct it? Um, only about 17,000 times. <laughs> yeah. Um, we talk on the radio in Kansas City for 20 hours a week. I can't even think of how many wrong things I've probably said over the course of that time. What was the one for this week, Kayla? What was the Great. thing that was bugging you? I had a little geography mishap. I said Santa Clarita instead of Santa Clara. Clearly, I am not from California. Did somebody catch it? Because I didn't. No, I did. I was just like, wait. And then I had to Google. I was like, Santa Clara, where is that? Nope, definitely not. I meant Santa Clara. Can we just say San Francisco? Like, I don't. Yes. No, no, San Francisco 49ers. We can't because the Niners, like many other professional teams who are making mistakes, are not placing their stadiums in the city for which they claim. So that's on them, not on... But we call them the Dallas Cowboys. Even We don't call them the Arlington Cowboys. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's a good point. But so like, wait, but Arlington's like sort of right there next to... Da- is it's it like Santa- 40 minutes. But Santa Clara is like an hour away from San Francisco, isn't it? It's... it's a, well, in traffic? Sure. What do you mean um, in traffic? How many well, so like when I was in San Francisco, I was in San Francisco for the Radio Row once, and they did oh, okay. all the media stuff down at the stadium, even though all the all the other stuff was in San Francisco. And they would police escort you down to Santa Clara, and it was like 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, in San Francisco traffic, I imagine it's significantly more than that under like pretty much every other circumstance. But I mean, you know, if you're driving around like in KC, it's probably the same as like me going to your place, Nick, you know, 25 miles. Kayla, were you expecting when talking about this to get even more of a geography lesson to start the show? I wasn't, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> Great. Informational. <laughs> we're, we're teaching the audience. That's what's important here. Come for the football, stay for the geography. All right. Well, let's dive into it today and not to toot our own horn, but clearly, you guys, it is the Bills and Chiefs. And no one else to take serious. Are we right in saying that? Uh, how could you not say that? They played a great game two weeks ago. Then the Chiefs had to do the bounce back thing, right? You lost a close game to a good competitor. And they absolutely laid it on the number two scoring defense in the NFL 
to the tune of 44 points. Their third 40-point road game of the year. I looked at the Bills from last year because I thought that this is how people would view the offenses. The Bills only had one 40-point game in their first seven games, but they did have two points or three games of 38 points or more, so good enough. And they had lost one weird one in the early part, just like the Chiefs did to the Colts. And I think that this probably goes to the very simplest explanation. Use your eyes. Watch the NFL this year. Watch every team in the NFL this year. And tell me that when you watch those two teams, it doesn't look better than watching any other team. The only close comparison is maybe the Eagles, who are 6-0 and deserving of it. It just looks a little different. And I'd say maybe Cincinnati's coming on. But to me, there's a very clear separation. Chiefs, Bills, Super Bowl favorites, everyone else. Last year, the Titans were the one seed in the AFC. And I think even then we all knew like, hey, they're going to they're going to rack up wins in the regular season because they're in a bad division. But nobody was really taking them seriously as a Super Bowl contender. But the reason why it was important wasn't because they got home field advantage and that gave them a better chance of winning games. It was that it totally skewed where teams were going to have to play in order to get to the AFC championship game or in order to get to the Super Bowl. This year, not just are the Chiefs and the Bills the two best teams, I believe by the end of the regular season, their records are going to reflect that. And as that came out of my mouth, I realized like, wow, really profound statement, Nick. The two best teams are going to have the best records. But last year is a perfect example of it doesn't always work out that way. If it ends up working out that way this year, it's massive because even if you do trust the Bengals, or if you think the Ravens are going to figure it out, or if you think the Dolphins are going to get healthy and figure it out. In all likelihood, if any of those teams want a shot at just getting to the Super Bowl, you're probably going to have to win in Kansas City and in Buffalo, which just seems so impossible given how good those teams are and how good they are at home. Well, in the Chiefs schedule, like the Bill schedule, you can go through that. They play in the AFC East, so... You watched the Patriots last night. The Jets are five and two, but you know, Zach Wilson's still their quarterback. There's problems there. The Chiefs schedule went from being, oh my God, what are they going to do in the back half to <laughs> I, I look, I don't want to call it easy, but you tell me which of these teams scare you. The Thank Titans you. coming off the bye. That team is four and two by sheer miracle, not by skill. The Jags. The Chargers, who just lost somebody else for the season and won't have Mike Williams back for that game, most likely, who beat them really bad in the first game. So the player who played the best in the first matchup against the Chiefs probably won't be available the next time they play. The Rams, who look awful. Cincinnati, there you go. All right, Cincinnati on the road. Tough game. Tough, guys. The Broncos twice, the Texans, the Raiders, and the Seahawks. Okay, I've... I want to I want to share something with you guys just because like, it got me to thinking. I, I looked up last year the AFC playoff picture through seven weeks. No, and we had to be in the lead, right? Well, week seven was when the Titans killed the Chiefs. Remember that one? Oh yes. Yeah. Remember the final score to that one? That was sad. Twenty-seven to three. So at that point. Baltimore was the one seed, followed by Cincinnati, Tennessee. (laughs) This is a funny one. And the Las Vegas Raiders were the four seed. The (laughs) wild card spots were the Bills, the Chargers, and the Cleveland Browns. And all the way down at fifth from the bottom were the Kansas City Chiefs. So 
I'm not trying to say that like don't trust your eyes this year because a lot can change. A lot can change. But that was just more so that last year didn't feel right. Last year, it felt like at this point in the season, there were teams in the mix that you didn't really trust. This year, the standings sort of reflect your eyes. The standings reflect the teams who we actually think are legit in the AFC. The only exception might be the Jets. Because even the Titans, look, they're four and two, but they've played a relatively soft schedule. They played a terrible division, so they're going to win some games. They're well coached. Titans are well coached. So makes sense. But we, no, Nick, you're right. I mean, it's just like th- this is more believable. Oh, the, the Bills are the number one team and the Chiefs are the number two team. Like, yeah, that tracks. Kayla, do you think this extends just to the AFC or does it extend even past that? Because at this point, I'm kind of thinking whichever team from the AFC. And I, if I assume that it's going to be the Chiefs or the Bills that go to the Super Bowl, I don't trust that any team in the NFC is going to be able to beat them. I you're jumping ahead to my vibe check, Nick. So I don't want to answer that okay, yet. Okay. Oh. But she's looking up <laughs> ticket prices for Glendale. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, but they even talked about it on the broadcast, I think during Monday Night Football. They said, I don't remember where I heard it, but they said it's the Chiefs, the Bills, and the AFC, and then NFC is wide open. It can be anyone's game at this point. But yes, those are clearly the top two teams. And yeah, I, I'm very high on one of those getting to the Super Bowl and winning. Cody, to your point about the schedule, I mean, I know this isn't a game that I don't think we like to play, but I don't think we lose a divisional game for the rest of the season. Uh, The one that scares me is perhaps that Bengals game on the road. But other than that, I don't... I mean, they're they're going to lose two games somewhere, but the Raiders are bad, and there's no way the Broncos get it that figured out by the end of the season, right? They're, They're talking about trading Chubb or Judy. They're so bad, they're talking about trading away their good players. It's bleak. (laughs) Nick, the one thing I'll say about the Eagles is something you say that I think is a really fair way to judge NFL teams, though, sometimes is the Eagles know what they're doing. You know, like some teams are trying to like, oh, who are we? Let's figure it out. And I'm not sure. No, the Eagles know who they are. They they know exactly who they are. They know the kind of game they're playing. Like, uh, you know, like doesn't say they can't get beat because the Giants also know what they're doing. But knowing what you're doing is a massive advantage in the NFL versus Let's try to figure ourselves out. It's why the more talented Bengals team has three losses than the Giants or the Eagles, in my opinion, right? Because the, the, the Bengals on paper might be just as talented as those teams, but they weren't sure who they were. They're like, well, what are we doing? Do we want to be this kind of offense? Uh, like when you aren't sure who you are, I think you run into more losses. It might explain why the Chiefs have two losses, because if they were more sure of who they were from week one, they don't struggle in that Colts game. Yeah, and I think that you're right. The Eagles knew who they were from week one. I feel like the Chiefs, it's been more of a process, but that's the beauty of what Reed and Veach and Mahomes have built is that you get a little bit more leeway when you have a top two coach in the NFL, when you have the number one quarterback in the NFL, is that the Chiefs can afford to take a month or two to sort of figure out what they want their final form to look like. Other teams don't have that. Other teams don't have that margin for error because while they're figuring it out, they're not going five and two like the Chiefs are. Well, speaking of figuring it out, let's turn our attention to Juju for a second. Should the Chiefs already be looking at a long-term deal with number nine? 
I would think so. I, I don't know what Juju's willingness is on this end, but I've seen enough. Um, I call early for contracts sometimes, so I'll admit that. And his last two weeks are boosting those numbers. But I didn't even think he was going to be an. I didn't even think he was going to be a thousand yard receiver, even in a seventeen game schedule. And he's on pace for twelve hundred. That's a seventeen game season, so the twelve doesn't quite hold the same weight. But he's on very similar track to what Tyree Kill did in this offense last year statistically. Ooh. And if and if that's done and you can get him for less, I think that's it. I think the Chiefs do want talent around Mahomes. This is not an Aaron Rodgers situation where they're like, hey, we're just never going to draft anybody and you make them better. They tried to pay Tyree Kill. They offered Tyree Kill a ton of money to stay with the Chiefs. And then Devontae Adams got traded and signed with the Raiders and the price got too high. And so they did the next best thing they could think to do, which is surrounded by a lot of really good ones. But if you have Travis Kelsey and another stable force in Juju Smith-Schuster for the next few years, that buys you all the time in the world to find the young superstar wide receiver in the draft, the next guy to take over the reins, whatever. It buys you time to stay atop of the offensive game with Mahomes. What do you think a contract extension with Juju looks like? So let's not... Before we get into what Juju would accept, if you are Brett Veach, if you're Andy Reid and you're saying, okay, we like this guy in the Chiefs offense, maybe he's he might not be a top five receiver in the NFL. He might not be a top 10. We don't need that. He fits what we do. He has a good rapport with Patrick Mahomes. He is young. We think we can continue to be a top tier offense with him as our number one receiver. What kind of offer are you giving him? Because we saw all the deals that were handed out this past offseason, ranging from the Christian Kirks of the world getting $20 million a year, all the way up to the top end guys like Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and, and Tyreek Hill nearing $30 million a year. What are you comfortable giving Juju right now, only okay. having seen him play seven games? I am interested what you answer because <laughs> it turns out me and another coworker here at 610 have diametrically opposed viewpoints on this. Because I think if you're offering a real contract to Juju Smith-Schuster that you want him to sign, you should probably start that contract around three for $55 million. I don't think that's crazy. Uh, MVS got $11 million a year this offseason. And Zay Jones got $10 million a year. And Christian Kirk got 20. So three for 55 doesn't seem crazy. He thinks it's more like three for 36 because the NFL has had two chances to get Juju Smith-Schuster in free agency, and nobody has really proven they want him. But the difference here in this year versus others is the last two times Juju Smith-Schuster tried to become a free agent, he hadn't put up 1,200 yards again. He had put up like eight and 900, and I think that that and they, and they think he's too slow or whatever. So maybe the number is less than we think it should be, but I still think it might be three for 55. I like that. I think we've established on this podcast. I'm not a numbers gal and terrible with money. Always think I have more than I do. Um, <laughs> so my you're parents can tell us- you, I'll give them. Yeah. Three for 55. Sounds great. Let's do it. I mean, I guess it just depends on yeah what we see his production on the field. And so far, I like what we see. So I, I think that's a good number. He thinks would- it's too high. To me, no, to me, it's like you wanted a $25 million wide receiver in Tyreek Hill and he wouldn't take it. All right, so you take the $18 million wide receiver. You save $7 million a year. You don't get the guy who's nearly as good as Tyreek Hill. 
Well, you have seven more million dollars to deal with, and you have the number one scoring offense in the NFL right now. So you're not taking that big of a drop off. Everything's great. I don't think they should just not pay wide receivers. And honestly, right now, my offseason plan of paying people is pay Juju, pay Chris Jones, and see you later, Orlando Brown. Enjoy your new city. Like, whatever, (laughs) right? It doesn't, that's not the person I'm worried about paying anymore. I thought that was going to be a budgetary line, and no longer is that my concern. Okay, so we talked about what we would want to happen. But realistically, you just mentioned a couple of things. First off, it seems like a foregone conclusion. You're not giving that mega deal to Orlando Brown Jr. That sounds great, but you're still going to have to answer for a left tackle. Yeah. They're not generally cheap unless you're just going to pick one up off the scrap heap, which I can't imagine you're going to do with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Other side of that is you're going to lose Frank Clark. You're going to lose Carlos Dunlap. Who knows what's going to happen with Chris Jones. You're going to have to do to address the pass rush. Once again, those positions aren't cheap. Mm -hmm. How much of a priority, if you're seeing what this, if you're seeing what MVS and Juju are doing in this offense, how much of a priority financially are you willing to make wide receiver? Dude, it's the NFL has told us wide receiver is the third most important position. You know how I know that? That's how they pay them. They pay them More than defensive ends now. On average annual top 10 contracts in the NFL, there are 10 wide receivers have more money guaranteed to them than the top 10 paid defensive ends. Doesn't that tell us something? Like, I know we still value defensive end. We know what it means. It does mean something. I'm not pretending like it doesn't. But the NFL has made a shift. I don't know that it's short term. I think that it's heading that way. You pay the quarterback first, you pay, I maybe, you know, you pay that and then you decide between tackle, like maybe defensive. I, I might be the defensive end number might be off a little. I think those ones were close. The offensive tackle for sure. They've passed Nick. So it's to me, it's, I would value wide receiver more than tackle. I, that's probably untraditional. I know, but specifically while Mahomes is still mobile, I'll take my chance. I don't, it sounds silly and maybe I'm hoping that there's going to be a left tackle in the draft they love or whatever nonsense makes sense. But if they've got 12 draft picks and Frank Clark, which being gone is a problem, but he also cost a lot of money. That's money you will have to spend on that. Maybe you can, and you can get a guy as good as Frank Clark for the amount of money you're paying him. Maybe someone better. So like, I'm not sure that that's a downside as much. I, I, I think it is a priority because what they are going to win Super Bowls on the back of is their offense. And by giving Juju Smith-Schuster an MVS money this year, they're the number one offense again. What about you, Kayla? Do you put Juju above left tackle and above pass rush? Yes. Ooh. I yes, only made a fun answer. It's certainly the most fun answer. Yeah. It's like if, if I'm boring football, scrubbing the tape guy i'm saying no left tackle right but the fun answer is let's give mahomes more toys yes they're putting points on the board ultimately look i look if you're telling me is defensive end more important than wide receiver nick yes but not uh, offensive tackle i've moved on the chiefs are rolling out andrew like they're not even investing any money at right tackle they spend like two million dollars on it like eh. like they spend money on guard they have a rookie they have a second year center and a second year right guard They're not even spending money on the offensive line right now. So there is a little bit of flat and they're going to have an entirely young secondary. So unless they're going to spend money there, no money, Uh, they're not going to spend any money at linebacker. The Anthony Hitchens dead contract money comes off. So 
to me, it's like they're valuing it in the right spot. They're going to pay their defensive. They're going to pay their best defensive pass rusher, Chris Jones. They're going to pay their quarterback. Great. And then they're probably going to have to decide between the three. Do you buy a defensive end, buy a left tackle, or buy a wide receiver? And at this point, I lean towards end and wide receiver. One more quick thought before we move on. My only fear is this trickle-down effect we see with wide receivers wanting bigger and bigger contracts, like what we saw with Devontae Adams and then with Tyree Kill. So I just hope guys don't get greedy and then take a contract with another team who's going to offer them more money. Juju didn't do that the last time. Signed with the Steelers for less money than the Chiefs were offering. Great guy. Big fan. <laughs> okay. Love his pets. <laughs> oh, it's Frenchie. It's so mm-hmm. cute. You know, she, she's an objectively good name for a dog. <laughs> <She>? Yeah. <laughs> so good. 